morning to say hello. We are so glad to have you here. Maybe meet somebody new this morning.
We have our birthday gift to Jesus going on right now. We're praying that God, by faith, will be allowing us to give to that offering. Today we have Jeff and Arlene Berg, who will be speaking to us in just a moment, but we want to put your eyes up here on the video because we are helping through our Christmas offering to support a new ambulance that is being built for Israel so that they can have what they need over there. And so we want to have you look at the video, and then we'll have Jeff and Arlene come on up and tell you a little bit more about that. Earlier today, we uh, we got called to an incident of uh, a shooting incident in Armona Natsiv, and uh, immediately went into the bus. Along with other with other medics from uh, Magen David who arrived, we together pulled the, the victims out of the out of the bus and uh, started a life-saving treatment. הערב בחדשות, שלושה הרוגים ויותר מ-20 פצועים בעוד יום של טרור. בארמון הנציב מחבלים פתחו באש בתוך אוטובוס. בשכונת גאולה מחבל דרס ודקר. On Malchus Roll Street, um, I responded uh, right away. We came less than two minutes. Um, the scene was shocking. I took care of uh, one uh, person that was uh, injured with a axe in his face. Me et mol yatzali liot kar beze shisha piguim, kirot, yeriot, pitzutim. Nachlu magivim bimirut. Yotzet ora mesuderet bakesher. Boto zman yotzet hodah leod shlosh mot anashim berech. כוננים שלנו עם רכבים, עם אופנועים. הערב החדשות, ירושלים, שלושה פיגועים ביום אחד. ילד בן 13 נלחם על חייו אחרי שנדקר כשהוא רוכב על אופניו. היו שמועות, דיווחים, חשש שיש מחבל נוסף בתוך מבנה התחנה המרכזית. תוך כדי הסריקות היה גם בעלה של אזרחים, אזרחים נסו על נפשם. יש כאן כמובן מאופי האירוע נפגעי חרדה, גם בהם אנחנו מטפלים. אלפיים החופשים והפרמדיקים של מגן דוד אדום עובדים גם כך מסביב לשעון. ובתקופה הזאת, כמו כל שאר כוחות הביטחון, משקיעים העובדים מאמץ רב יותר. אלא שבניגוד למשטרה, לצבא ולמכבי האש, הם נלחמים בשתי זירות, האחת בשטח, והשנייה להשיג מימון להצלת חיים. לא היו תורמים למגן דוד אדום? מגן דוד אדום לא היה יכול לתפקד ולתפעל. אין ספק פה. Uh, 
our, uh, we have a few guys that are going to come around to you now, and uh, we're going to pass out. These are replicas. It's, uh, uh, I guess it's the scale. I don't know what scale it is, but I'm sure it'll tell you that on the box. Uh, this is the, uh, the company that makes those ambulances, has made these. So we give one per family, and I'd like to ask you to take that home. Put that as a prayer reminder of uh, what the Bergs are doing and how that you can be a part of what God has called them to do. Our birthday gift to Jesus offering, we're praying for $80,000. And so uh, God has is, uh, is, is really been blessing to us. He's, uh, he's given us so far $24,000. let us give God a hand for that, all right? He's given $24,000 so far. And... Um, and, and we're looking just to see God provide and take us over the edge there here in just a few weeks. But uh, this is one of the projects that we're helping. So Jeff and Arlene Berg are missionaries right here in Pittsburgh to our Jewish community. And, uh, and as you know, we've been... Uh, oh, I grabbed the wrong mic there, right? As you know, we've been, we've been uh, supporting them for a number of years, and they're on our birthday gift to Jesus. So uh, Jeff and Arlene, would you take it from here, all right? Yes. Thank you so much. What a joy it is to be here. And... Um, Thank you so much for your love and your prayers and your giving all these years, and really appreciate it. At our last Honor Israel Night, which some of you came to uh, this past May, um, our charity that we supported was Mokandova to Dome, the ambulances in Israel. And we wanted to raise $100,000, or we're 75% there. But um, we need the rest of the funds, and what a testimony it'll be. At the Honor Israel Night, um, the Jewish people that came were overwhelmed. One of the Jewish speakers just kept thanking and thanking everyone for their love for Israel. They can't get over it. And um, our Jewish, our non-Jewish speaker, um, Bruce Scott from the Friends of Israel, made a very, very interesting statement at the end of his speech. Jeff is going to tell you what it is, and you can do your part to really help what he said. Yeah, back in World War II, the Jewish people went through the Holocaust that we all know and remember. And God forbid, if there were to ever be another one one day, uh, the Jewish people were singled out and they had to wear a yellow star wherever they went so they could be identified. Well, uh, it's up to us now as Christians, as we stand for Israel, to put our hearts with them that we may put on our yellow star if they were ever to be in danger once again. Yes, the ambulance uh, program has made a big, big impact, and uh, and it's just really, really warmed the hearts of the Jewish community. We were really uh, stunned a year ago where our ambulance project actually made the front page of the Jewish newspaper in Squirrel Hill. It says, unwavering in its support, Baptist Church has big plans for its Honor Israel Night. And what... A thrill it will be one day when this ambulance is fully paid for and there will be a, a dedication service where there will be, I know Pastor Ken will be there and others from the Christian community as well as our church and then from the Jewish community to see this thing come together and they will be bringing an ambulance here. So that will be, that'll be really, really something. But when that ambulance is sent to Israel, there will be a donor log and everybody that has contributed to that ambulance will be in that log. And if you are to be visiting Israel where that ambulance will be uh, stationed, you'll be able to see Library Baptist Church on that register, which is quite a testimony. 
these ambulances are are not government funded and they all have to be they're all privately funded that's what Morgan David Adolm is about and they not only provide for the ambulances but they provide for the whole blood supply in Israel and they put supply the blood supply for the Israel defense forces as well but to uh put our uh money you could say where our hearts are is a big big testimony and we just want to thank you for that and thank you for supporting us with the friends of Israel gospel ministry and uh we also have a table in the back with some Morgan David Adolm literature and some uh wristbands that you can have so and they're theirs for you to take so uh thank you so much for your support it's been so unwavering over the years it's just very very special and we're so grateful for you thank you thank you thank you uh, they, they're heading over to teach a, in one of our sunday school classes here this morning but we're so thankful to god for them and, uh, and what they've been doing here uh, to uh, to reach the people of pittsburgh and our jewish community uh, one of the things that they have, they love Israel, and they've been throwing out an idea about going over to Israel. We could take a trip. We could obviously do some touring of the Holy Land, but we could also uh, volunteer and help in some of the hospitals over there and then give blood. You know, we can't give blood and ship it over uh, because of all the international rules on all that type of stuff, but we can go there and give blood and leave a part of yourself. And I thought, what an incredible thing. And, uh, you know, they're just living in a whole different world than we live in. I just want to thank God. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, Jeff and Arlene. And then just uh, if, you, if you could pass the friendship folders down the aisle at this time, we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, just a few other announcements here this morning. Uh, look up here. You see our dessert theater is ready to go. We're excited. It's, uh, I know yesterday they were up here practicing all day long. They're going to be practicing all day long today and all week long. They've got a great week ahead of them. And uh, I'm thankful for everybody who's given a part of this to make this a reality. The, I want you to pray this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'll be home for Christmas. We'll be here with our dessert theater. Everybody comes in here. We have our, our program, and uh, we will share the plan of salvation, how people can know for sure that they're going to heaven. So I want to ask you to pray, number one, that people will come to Christ. And let's just ask God to, to shower us with his blessing. I want to see lots and lots of people come to Christ this weekend. And, uh, and then after they're done in here, we're going to go over into our gymnasium. And they're, they're taking and transforming our gymnasium into the most beautiful place. And we're going to have uh, a dessert over there. It'll be a dessert bar uh, provided by Signature Desserts. So we're excited about that. It'll be a, a fun, fun weekend here. It's going to be a busy weekend, but we need you to pray. And uh, if you still need a ticket, you can stop by the table afterwards. There are not a whole lot left. Uh, we're winding down. And uh, you can get them online. You can just pull out your phone and get them online right now, uh, your tablet, whatever. And uh, you can get them online through your computer. And, uh, or you can see Alicia out there after the service. All right? And our birthday gift to Jesus offering, we're thanking God that we're up to 24000 as I said. And uh, you see our red is starting to move up the thermometer. We're... We've got quite a way to go, but God is moving, and we're thankful for all that he's doing. If, uh, if you're giving to the Christmas offering, to the birthday gift to Jesus today, please designate it as such so that it can be properly accounted. All right? I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward, and as they're coming forward, 
just uh, remind you of our Christmas Eve services this year. They will be at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock, all right? Christmas Eve is on a Saturday, so it will be 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we'll be here for Christmas Day. And what we're going to do on Christmas Day is one gathering, only at 10 o'clock. We'll all be combined. I'm telling people with little kids, bring your kids and bring them in their PJs, all right? And let them sit in church with us. We're going to have a nice family-oriented service, and we're thanking uh, God for that opportunity. I know when that comes around once every seven years. Christmas falls on Sunday, and uh, I remember the last time my kids said, hey, Dad, that was kind of cool. So uh, we're, we're excited about that for, uh, for our, our church family, all right? Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for all that you're doing in this place. You've been moving mightily, Lord. We ask for your presence to be with us as we, as we go through this weekend with our Christmas dessert theater. Uh, Father, for the so many guests, for people here who have been inviting and, and prayerfully uh, bringing their friends and family, Lord, I pray that you'll bless their step of faith their commitment to, to caring for others, and, and that you will just uh, step into their families' lives this week, Lord. God, that this will be a, a, a time when people will just come, come to you, and we'll just give you the honor and the glory for what you're going to do. Father, Lord, for our Christmas offering, our birthday gift to Jesus, Lord, as, as we give to you today, Lord, uh, for our regular tithing offering and for our birthday gift to Jesus to you, Lord, I pray that you'll just bless your people as they respond to your goodness. In your name we pray, amen.
Wow. Thank you so much to Reagan, Allen, and Jordan Drischler. They are cousins. Uh, let's give them a hand. We thank you so much. To, to my knowledge, that was the first, uh, first harp time, harp that I've ever seen played in our church, and I'm really thankful for that. She was telling me that she is going to be at Barnes & Noble playing and all these different places, and so I said, well, I'll have to go to Barnes & Noble now and start reading, right? Uh, but we're excited about, uh, about that. She's in, in middle school here and part of our church, real excited about when our young people go out and do things and uh, do great things for God. What a way to kick off our series. Our series is called Carols. Uh, our Christmas series this year, we're going through the Christmas season, and uh, we want to look at a few of the carols of Christmas. And as we take a few of these carols, we're going we're to implement and look, some, look at some deep thoughts. You know, sometimes you sing these things and you go on and on, and you don't realize... Uh, you don't realize what we're seeing even sometimes and the history behind some of them. Uh, today, we're going to start off with O Holy Night. And O Holy Night is like the, the classic of all Christmas songs. When you're, when you're thinking of Christmas, you think of O Holy Night. It's a powerful song. And uh, let me just give you a little bit of background to the song O Holy Night. It was actually written in the, in the mid-1800s. I believe it was 1847 by a fellow by the name of Placide Capello. What happened was there was, a, there was a Jewish priest. He wanted to do something. I'm sorry, not a Jewish priest, a Catholic priest. Forgive me. Catholic priest. The Catholic priest wanted to do something very special for Christmas Eve. And uh, so he came to this fellow. He was a merchant. He was a poet. He was not even a follower of Christ. He was not a follower of God in, 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 in the slightest manner, but he was very talented. So the priest came to, came to Placide and said, Here, would you, uh, would you take Luke chapter 2 and write a poem based upon Luke chapter 2. I'd like to use it for our, Christmas, uh, for our Christmas services. And so he did. Placide took it. And Placide spent a lot of time on it. And Placide came up with, uh, with what was known as uh, Canticle Day Noel. And, uh, and that was the first version of O Holy Night. And then he went and he got a friend of his. He said, this is so good. We've got to put it to music. So he got his friend uh, by the name of Adams, last name was Adams, and he, and he got together, and by the way, Adams was a Jewish man. And so he was not a follower of Christ. And the two came together, and they wrote this incredible song for the priest. And, uh, and so the priest took it, and that first Christmas Eve, they sang it in 1847, O Holy Night, and people just really bought into it. People said, man, this is such a powerful song. And it began to spread all over France and all over Europe. Uh, and then a few, a few years later into, into the journey, um, all of a sudden the church realized, hey, the word got out that this was not written by a follower of Christ. These people were not, uh, the, the author of this was not somebody who was part of the church at all. And so the song was actually banned in the Catholic church for, for several years in France, if you will. Um, and, and of course, when it came to America, it just took off like wildfire. And then another interesting note about this song um, on in 1906, 1906, Christmas Eve of 1906 was the very first radio broadcast. Now remember, we had radio transmission, but radio transmission was through Morse code, dit, dot, did it, dot, 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 right? And so that's how we got communication back and forth. And so this man, by the name of Reginald Fessenden, 
Um, Reginald Fessenden, he was 33 years old. He was a Canadian, Canadian professor. He goes into his garage and has a, a homemade generator and, and has a microphone and plugs it in, and he makes the first broadcast in 1906. Now, what is interesting to me about this first broadcast, it was Christmas Eve, and the very first spoken words over the airways. Now, you've got to remember, they're hearing Morse code. So on a ship, you would have heard Morse code for the very first time. Out comes spoken word. And the very first spoken words by Reginald Fessenden were this. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And he began, and he reads the entire Christmas story. And then the very first song that was played over the airwaves, O Holy Night on a Violin. The man picked up a violin and played into the microphone, O Holy Night. And so here's this rich history of this song. And you see how people were, were so many people have been, it's been used by God to bring so many people to himself, O Holy Night, but kind of an interesting background. Uh, today I've asked Laura Rensel to come up and sing Oh Holy Night as part of our message time this morning. And as she sings, I just want you to pay attention to the words and, and really think. You know, sometimes you hear these songs over and over, but as she sings, will you focus in on the message of that song this morning?
Thank you so much. We appreciate that. I'd like to just take it to Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governoring Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up into Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, uh, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I'd like for you to think with me about that, O Holy Night. And uh, as we're looking at that O Holy Night, we're looking at 
Uh, what was different about it? Uh, here's what was different. The word holy means set apart. What was holy about that night was that the King of kings and the Lord of lords was coming to the earth. That Jesus was making the way for you and I to have salvation. That is what was set apart about that night. But I want to I take you back, and I want you to think with me about the, the hardships of that night. And I want you to think this morning about how really very common it was, because God came in a very common way. I came through, through, a, through very common people. Uh, here was Mary and Joseph. Mary was a virgin, and God comes to her and says, I'm going I'm to place the Son of God inside of you. I'm going to place Jesus inside of you. And uh, you'll call him name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. And so she is going to be the one that will carry the Messiah. And imagine what went through her mind. And as a matter of fact, she, she, sang, she sings a prayer to the Lord, uh, an incredible prayer. Over in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary sings a song of praise to the Lord. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And so she is putting herself in the, in the position of, I am the created, you, God, are the creator. And she is a very common person. She's just a young girl. Uh, many think from as young as 14 to maybe about 18 years old. And so she comes before the Lord and God's using her. And she, but she was just a normal person like you and I. Joseph was a, uh, just a normal guy. Uh, the, 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 the trek, I want you to think about this here. The, the trek from, from, uh, that they had to go on from Nazareth over to, uh, to, to Bethlehem was 80 miles on a donkey, pregnant. I want you to think about that. 80 miles pregnant on a donkey. When I took my wife to the hospital, it was St. Clair Hospital. Carice was born. We had, what, is it 10 miles over there? And at the time, I had rented a, I had a, at least a white Honda Civic. I'll never forget that, you know. I wanted it to be the perfect ride for her. I want everything to be smooth transition to and from the hospital. So we go over there. Now, I just want you to think about 80 miles with a pregnant woman on a donkey. The journey. Uh, she's saying, Joseph, couldn't we have booked first class? Come on. Uh, there, this, this was an uncomfortable journey. A, 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 a really a tough place for her to be. And they get all the way to Bethlehem. They get there. There's no room. The place is crowded. Everybody's there for the census that's being taken. And uh, it's overwhelming to them. And, and they can't even find a place to stay. Joseph's got this pregnant wife on his hands. He's, he's just trying to survive. <laughs> Where can we stay? I guess you can stay out here in the stable. Uh, and, 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 you know, we always look at the stables. They always look so nice, don't they? The little A-frames, and, and you got all the cattle are lowing, and you got all that stuff around it. It just looks so pretty. It looks so, wow, okay? Uh, but let me tell you, they were in a cave. Yeah, a, a, a stable was more like a cave-like structure. And here they are. It's cold. Uh, it's nighttime. And they're out there in the stable. There's animals with them. And Jesus comes into a common, common, lowly place, really. And he was born on that night. So the holy night was set apart, not because it was like this magic moment. You know, uh, sometimes whenever we have this, this idea of Christmas, we have this idea of feelings and everything's going to be perfect. I think for Mary and Joseph, as they were going along the journey, 
they were just holding on to God. And they were looking out, and they were saying, I'm just going to keep holding on to Jesus, holding on to Christ. What, what is it that he is doing here for us? And, uh, and they were following. They were, they were followers of God. The, the, the words I want to focus in to this morning from the, uh, from the song there. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I'd like to zero in on that. The uh, thrill of hope. Uh, the thrill of hope for the weary world. If I'm thinking about our world, I think that describes it pretty good. A weary world. People are tired everywhere you go. This, is a, this world is worn out. This, there's a lot of heavy things that, there are, that people are dealing with. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Just uh, look, look at people dealing with so much anxiety today. Uh, our economy is on, on, on a sprint from time to time. Relationships, uh, careers. It just seems like everybody you know is coming down with some sort of disease. And there's all these things, and it is a weary world. But even in the midst of that weary world, there's a new and glorious morning. Jesus came in the midst of a dark, weary world. The dark, weary world was uh, in the time uh, of, uh, of Christ when he came. Remember, Israel was under Roman oppression. And Israel would go through this whole deal where they would, they would come and they would, they would follow God and then they would disobey God. Then they would follow God and disobey. And so as they followed God, they experienced times of blessing. As they disobeyed, they experienced chastisement. And God never took it uh, that... that, that Never, God never took pleasure in chastising his children. He had to chastise them. He had to follow through with his word because he loved them and cared for them and bring them unto himself. But God would chastise the children, bring them back. And so as, as he would chastise them, bring them back, uh, a lot of pain would happen in there. And so t this morning, I, when Jesus came, there was 400 years of silence. They hadn't heard from God for 400 years. There were, no more scriptures had been written for 400 years and the promise had been made. There were, over three, there were about 300 promises that had been made throughout the Old Testament that the Messiah would come. 300 times the promise comes that Jesus is coming, the Messiah would come, that he would be born. And so these people are wondering, when will the Messiah come? When will this happen? And in the midst of the oppression, in the midst of the Roman oppression, I'm going to rewind the clock this morning. We're going to go back to a, a passage in Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. This is uh, in 586 B.C. The, uh, the, the, the nation of Israel has gone through uh, some horrible time. Talk about the thrill of hope, waiting for a new and glorious morning. We're going to look at a passage this morning that shows the thrill of hope in the midst of overwhelming uh, troubles and calamity. Lamentations chapter 3 was written at 586 B.C. when Jerusalem had fallen. The people were distraught. They were as distraught as you could possibly imagine. And the prophet Jeremiah, he's lamenting. He's just going over. This is terrible. He's sharing how hard this is. Uh, let me tell you how terrible it was. The temple, the place where they worshipped, had been destroyed. 586 B.C. You talk to any Jewish person, they would, they would know that date. That's, uh, talk to our Jewish missionaries. That's a big date. 
uh, for, for the Jewish people. 586 B.C., the temple was destroyed. The city was in ruins. Uh, there, there's even a, a, a famous painting out there of, uh, where an, an, an artist has depicted Jeremiah writing the book of Lamentations, and behind him is the rubble and the smoke of a city that's just been destroyed. And so here, and people are fleeing for their life. You read all throughout the book of Lamentations, you see all this pain. Lamentations 3.20 this morning. Jeremiah says, I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. He says, I, he's just gone on for, for the past couple chapters about the heaviness, the weightiness, the pain, the mourning that he's feeling, because things are not good. They are horrible condition. Verse 21, he says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Uh, that word there, his love, because of his great love, uh, it's the word hesed. It's his hesed love in the original language. That means his unconditional love for his people. Uh, th- this, this is a huge term in the Old Testament. His love, his commitment to his people, his loyalty to his people. God loves his people. Yes, he had to chastise but he still loved his people, and he had an unbelievable love for his people. And Jeremiah says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions are never failing. His mercies never fail. As a matter of fact, he says, verse 23, they are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. His compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful. Uh, when, when things are looking grim, things are looking bleak, I want to remind you this morning that there is a new and glorious morning coming. Things look terrible, and this is what the, what the prophet's about to share. He was saying, listen, this was a terrible time. This was when he thought all hope was lost, but he's coming back. He's saying, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And so he comes before the, before the people. They're hearing this. He's, he's calling out to the Lord. And he's like, listen, the Lord is good. And he comes back and remembers the truth of who he is. Um, this morning, I'd like to share with you that a new and glorious morning with Christ, a new and glorious morning with Christ will bring a few things into your life. One of those things that will bring is uh, just what you need. God will bring just what you need. You're going through some tough times. You're going through dark times. Maybe you're in a weary world right now. Whatever it is that you're dealing with is, is dark. You're not sure. It's a lot of uncertainty. And God has a plan for your life, and God is still there, but yet it looks so dark. And I want to encourage you that God will be the one who meets your need. Uh, look, what the, well, look what the prophet says here, verse, uh, verse 24. He says, I say to myself, you ever talk to yourself? You know, maybe you should listen to yourself, right? My wife says that to me. You should listen to yourself. He says, I say to myself, he's coming and he's talking to his own soul. And I want to remind you, there are times in your life when you're dealing with issues, you've got to come back and you've got to speak into your soul. You've got to come back and you've got to pick up God's word and say, okay, this is who God is and be reminded of the truth of who God is. And if you will take that, take that as, uh, all right, here's trouble, here's calamity happening, but I'm going to remind myself of who God is. He is sovereign, he's still on the throne, and no matter what's going on in my life, I can trust him.
That's what, the, that's what this uh, prophet is doing, Jeremiah. He's saying, it is dark. He says, but I have hope. My hope is in the Lord. Uh, look what he says there. He says, I've reminded myself. He says, I say to myself, I want to encourage you, you know, focus in on the truth of God's word. Focus in on who he is. You know, if you look at yourself, you'll be depressed. If you look at circumstances, you'll be distressed. But if you look at the Lord, you'll be blessed. And so that's what the prophet was doing. He was looking. He had certainly enough things that were negative. And he's coming and he's looking unto the Lord and he finds blessing there. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will, what's he say it will do? I will wait. I will expectantly, anticipatingly wait for him. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait. I will, I will have great hope. He says, the Lord is my portion. Th this concept of the portion, a, a portion, you understand a portion. If I say, okay, here we go, this is your portion. I give you your allotment, right? In the Old Testament, the, uh, when they were wandering through the wilderness, God provided for the children of Israel. And he provided for them manna. He gave them food. So they would get up and they would come out of their tent and there would be this manna laying all over the ground. And they would say, as a matter of fact, the word manna means what is it? And so they would come out and they would say, all right, what is it? And they'd take, they'd take it in. They start, that, that was their food for the day. And, and God told them, look, if you take more than your share, if you go out and you try to hoard more than what I provided for you, because I'm giving you what you need today. If you take more, it's going to rot. It's going to spoil by morning. So don't take any more than what you need because I'm providing and I know what I'm doing. So some, some people would take it and they would hoard more and it would rot. It would spoil. It, it, it was an it was a, a exercise in futility to, to try and take more than what you needed. And so here Jeremiah is coming and he's saying, the Lord is my portion. He's not even looking for buildings and the city to be rebuilt at this point. He's looking, he's saying, the Lord, you are my portion. This place is nasty, this is terrible, and uh, everything has gone down, but God, you are enough. It is you that is enough. It is not anything else. God taught us, Jesus taught us that in the New Testament, didn't he? He said, pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God, you're my provider. But the, the, the prophet Jeremiah here, he comes and he takes it a step further. He says, not only is God my provider, but he is enough. If this city never gets built again, he is enough. His character, who he is, what he's done for me, what he's done for us, he is enough. The Lord is my portion. God has a plan. And Jeremiah was coming and he was resting on God's plan because let me share this with you, that God is already in tomorrow. You're fretting, you're worrying about something tomorrow, God is already there. He already knows what's going to happen. He knows what you need. So come to him today and let him be your portion. I mean, really, not, there may be negative things that are happening. Some of you are facing dark, dark times. You're facing things that are weary and dark and it's overwhelming to you. But may I share this this morning, that God has something far deeper going on in your life and you just can't even see it. And God says, I am your portion. He is the lifter of your head. Where are you at this morning? 
what areas are you struggling? Where do you struggle? It's not if you're struggling, it's where. We're all struggling. We all have some area, some area where we're weary, where we're worn out. And, and God says, I am your portion. Jeremiah is making a, a real testament for us here, a real testimony, because he's saying, listen, the Lord is your portion, and he is exactly what you need. The presence of God is exactly what you need. His reality is exactly what you need. His strength, his power, his goodness is exactly what you need. And you may be putting your hope in some other places. And when you come and you put your hope in the wrong places, uh, your, your hope gets, uh, gets really distraught because only God is the portion. Only he is the one that you really need. Uh, the second thing that a new and glorious morning with Christ does, a new and glorious morning with Christ, it gives you the hope to keep going. It gives you the hope to carry on. Uh, because Listen, when Jesus came, he came into a dark world, and what he did changed the world. The fact that he came, he lived a perfect, sinless life, and, and his life changed the world because he died on the cross, came back to, to life again, and you too can be transformed by the power of what he did on that cross by the fact that he resurrected from the dead. Hope to carry on. Uh, he brings us hope to keep going. He, he is the thrill of hope. Lamentation, verse 25, says that the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Somebody once said this. Somebody said that you can go 40 days or so without food. You can live eight days or so without water. You can uh, live about four, maybe seven minutes without oxygen, but we can only live a few seconds without hope. And so our hope is in Christ. Uh, are you living a life that is hope-deprived? Are you living a life that, is, that, that, is, that you're putting your hope in something that is very temporary? We're, we're here for maybe 100 years. If you're going to live to be 100 years old, you've lived a really good life. And, uh, and people will put nice things on, on your epitaph after it's all done. What a great person, 100 years. But at the end of the day, uh, this life is so short. And everything that we do here is so short. And so we tend to put our hope in things that are short-lived, like our job. If I just could get that promotion. If I could. And we start to lay our if in things that are very temporary, very, things that are very short-lived. Um, many people put their hope in the stock market. What a poor place to put hope. In politics, another really poor place to put your hope. In your career, uh, careers are up and down. One, one fellow talked to me this morning on the way out. He says, hey, thank you. I, I needed that today because my, my job is uncertain. And I'm going to be dealing with some things tomorrow. Uh, company buyouts and all kind of things. And listen, those are, those are hard and painful times. And, but we have hope beyond a job. We have hope beyond the, the temporary things. We have hope that it is greater than if, I, if you were cured of cancer or not. We have a hope in God, and He is our portion. Not if I get the job, not if I got the healing, but He is my portion. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. Let us hold on. Uh, if, if you were out in the river, on the Mon River, and you were, you were struggling, you're, you're, you're trying to swim, and you're, you know, the current's taking you, and we saw that you were, you were really needed help, we'd throw out the lifeline, wouldn't we? 
We'd throw out the life and we'd throw a rope out to you and you, you would try and hold on to the rope. And as you would hold on to the rope, you would be holding on for dear life. And you know that if you let go of the hope, let go of the rope, everything's gone. And I want to encourage you today, the scripture here in Hebrews 10, 23, let us don't let go. He says, don't let go of the hope. For he, who is faithful? He is faithful. Is your job faithful? No. Is, are relationships faithful? No. There's nothing else that's as faithful as God. And he says that he is faithful. He says, don't let go of God. Uh, just, just keep holding on, keep reaching out. And when things are tough, you reach out to God. And when things are, are hard and dark, you keep reaching out to God. I love that picture of a man who's holding on. Years ago, there was a fellow here by the name of Joe DeGenero. Some of you remember him. He was a great guy. He grew up in New York City. Got involved with all kinds of drugs out in New York City and um, just had a, a really, really rough life. He, he used to say that there was, that whenever they were in the drug days uh, back in New York City, they used to have a saying that him and his buddies would say that there's no hope without dope. I mean, that was their, their, their statement, no hope without dope. He said, and then one day, somebody shared with him about Christ. And he found the true hope for life. And his life was radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. He is a, a, a believer growing in Christ today. I was uh, talking to his kids on Facebook, asking permission to share that. And, uh, and they, were, uh, they were said, man, he loves the fact that he could be uh, shared to help somebody else. Uh, there's no hope without dope, but there is hope with Christ. You see, he went from a life of despair to a life of hope. And he's holding on. And Joe's got his own physical struggles to this day. He's holding on to the lifeline. He's holding on to the rope of God. Don't lose hope. Hold on to the hope that we profess. Don't lose hope. Hold on to what, what we know is true from God. Don't give up your hope. Uh, here's, here's what happens. Somebody's drowning. And when you get near somebody who's drowning, you'll just grab on to anything. And that's what we do in life, isn't it? It's like this. We start, we're having a struggle, so things are going bad in relationships or whatever area of your life, and you, you reach out, and you'll just grab whatever. And you grab something that's very temporary and put your, you put your hope over on something that's very temporary, and then pretty soon you're let down because it was so temporary. You come over here and you put your hope in something that, 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 that has, is going to majorly let you down. You come over here and you put your hope in Christ, and he doesn't let you down. You may not get the job. You may not get what you think. It may not, life may not turn out the way that you think it may, that it should. Listen, the, the, the city of Jerusalem was in rubble. It was torn down. The people are fleeing for their life. God is faithful. A new day with Christ brings the help that you're looking for. The very help that you're looking for. You know, we're reaching out and we're trying, we're grabbing all these things, but whenever... You say, man, it's not there. You say, man, I, I'm, I'm trying this over here. And I know if I would just... And God says, look, stop reaching for those things. Reach for me. Reach for me because I am the only hope that you have. I am your portion. Verse 26, he says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait. It's good to have this, uh, this patient hope. Uh, this expectation. He said, it's good to have hope. It is good to wait patiently, quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Uh, that word salvation, uh, it, 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 it can be translated salvation and it can also be translated deliverance. 
And so this morning, I want to share with you this. There's two applications here. Some of you need salvation. You need to ha- start this relationship with Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He has come back to life again. And he offers you this gift of eternal life. It's a free gift. And he just wants you to reach out and grab on. He just wants you to reach out and hold on to him because he is your hope. And that's where it starts. For others, you've been following Christ for some time, but maybe you've let go of the rope for a while. Maybe you need deliverance. Maybe there's some areas of your life that you just need to see God show up. And you're saying, Lord, I need, I need to come before you. I have all these difficult situations. And Lord, you don't understand. You know, I don't understand what you're going through. I don't understand where you're at. But may I share with you some examples from the Bible? Lazarus, his family, he was ill, he was sick. His family's calling Jesus. Jesus, will you come and help? And, and, and Jesus didn't come. Uh, not, not in the right timing, so they thought. And, and they, Lazarus dies. He's dead for four days. He's wrapped up. He's in a tomb. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes over and he makes a difference. There's the new and glorious morn. Uh, Jesus came. It was, uh, it was totally dark. The family's wailing. Jesus weeps at, his, at Lazarus' funeral. Then he goes over and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. Uh, there, there was the woman with the issue of blood. She had this, this blood issue for 12 years and all the, all the embarrassment and all these things that this woman dealt with. And just, I just want to, I just want to be healed. I just want to be healed. And one day she encounters Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment and God heals her. How about the man at the pool of Bethsaida? For 38 years he had been lame. 38 years he was crippled. He meets up with Jesus, and Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. 38 years of waiting, 38 years of this is, this is a horrible way to live. And God steps in, and God says, I'm going to make a difference. And I want to encourage you. There are things that you are dealing with in your weary world. There are things that you're dealing with that are dark and overwhelming to you, and you just don't know what's happening tomorrow. But let me tell you, we know who holds tomorrow. And that's Jesus, and he's already there, and he says, reach out and hold on to the hope that we already profess. Reach out and hold on to him. There is a thrill of hope. You know, hope is absolutely thrilling. When you have have hope, you have motivation. You can move forward. But when there's no hope, it's despair. Jesus came that the world may have hope. Jesus came so that the wandering world, that this weary world, as as the writer of O Holy Night is shared so that that weary world would experience the thrill of hope and experience this new and glorious morning. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Some of you are, are, are ready to throw in the towel in so many areas. Don't give up. Hold on to that hope. Hold on to Jesus Christ and know that he is your portion. There's nothing greater in life. There's nothing that will fill your life. There's nothing that will fill that inner need. And all these things that you're dealing with, nothing will fill it. Because Jesus is your portion. Only he can fill it. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd just like to encourage you to respond to the goodness of God. Maybe you've been dealing with some weariness lately. You've been dealing with some things that are heavy. And uh, maybe it's not moving in the direction that you thought it ought to move. But God is moving. Maybe today you need to start a relationship with Christ. And if you're here and you say, 
Pastor, I haven't started a relationship with Christ yet. I'd like to know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. I would like to make that real today. I'd like to make that commitment to God. I'd like to get connected to him right now. If that's you, I'd like to invite you to pray a prayer, to just repeat after me to the Lord, but quietly in your heart, and it's just you responding to him, and you're calling upon the name of the Lord. Just pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need you. You are the Savior of the world, but today I'm accepting you as my Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. And Lord, I invite you into my heart right now. And for others in this place, I want to share with you. Maybe it's time to come back and grab onto the hope of God. Maybe you've been dealing and you've been looking for hope in all the wrong places. As Jeremiah tells us, the Lord is my portion will you reach out to him will you settle for the portion from god and trust him and hold on to him father god i pray you'll be with each person as we respond to your goodness lord thank you for the way that you love us thank you that you have given us the thrill of hope thank you for that new and glorious morning that comes only in christ jesus in your name we pray amen let's stand together as we sing a verse have our closing song together, shall we? If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so.